Almighty God, prepare our hearts and minds to hear from you. Hide me, Lord, behind the cross, and whatever I say um, and whatever is heard today be holy and transforming so that makes us more like you. Your word, you said that your word is like a hammer that crushes stones, and what better stone to crush than our pride? Lord, humble us in your son's name, amen. So um, just as a reminder, we've mentioned this a couple times now, but we're continuing this uh, series on humility. Um, And what I've learned through this series is that it's just impossible for us to truly be humble without the power of the Holy Spirit working through us and humbling us, because it goes so against who I am as a human, as a sinful human, to lay down that humanness and become uh, who he wants me to be. Um, Don and I were watching this documentary on Benjamin Franklin, and something that we learned from that documentary was that he kind of rejected this idea of um, God transforming you and him needing the church to transform him, transform him, and he thought that he could do it on his own. He thought he could be a perfect moral person on his own without these other uh, things upon him. And so he came up with this, um, these, it was like a chart of 12 virtues, and he tracked himself every single day, every single week, and made sure that he did these certain virtues. And some of them were things like justice and frugality and order and chastity, and the list goes on and on. And every time he messed up, he made sure to make a note of it, and he's going to do better tomorrow. And then finally, at one point, he met, he did everything that day on that list. And he went, went to one of his friends, and he was just like, can you believe it? I did the moral thing. I'm a moral, perfect person. And he was like, Benji, I think you need to add humility to that list because he was bragging about it so much. Not sure he actually said Benji. Um, So yeah, it's just this idea of, it's kind of impossible on our own to become truly humble. We actually need Christ and the Holy Spirit speaking through us to do that. So when Nick asked me to preach this week, he told me that he believed the Lord had something to do with teachability in the context of humility. And he asked if I could spend some time in prayer thinking and seeing what the Lord had for us. And if I'm honest, I thought that was a pretty easy sermon topic. Um, You know, scripture teaches that we need to be open to being taught and wisdom needs to be spoken into us. And closed-mindedness is a result of our pride and it it shows a lack of humility and and it's a pretty easy sermon to preach. But as I got into the Word and as I started exploring this and as I got my whiteboard out and I was writing down all the different verses that had to do with wisdom and teachability and all this kind of stuff, um, he kind of showed me something different in Scripture. Before I get into that, Scripture does instruct us that we need to be open to be taught. Um, We see this a lot in the book of Proverbs, obviously this wisdom literature, right? I wanna give some examples. And side note, I am gonna go through a lot of Scripture today, um, and I'm just kinda popcorn it, but if you guys want me to give you that list of Scripture, or if you miss something, um, hit me up afterwards and I can help with that. So anyways, back to Proverbs. It says, where there is no guidance, a people's fall but an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So this idea that we need others to kind of carry us and make us wise. That's Proverbs 11, 14. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 22, incline your ear 
and hear the word of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant to you if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. So again, over and over and over, not only in Proverbs, but throughout Scripture do we see this theme of we need to be open to be taught. Um, And that's only, like I said, a small fraction of where it covers that. Um, As I researched this, however, I learned of a warning that the Lord had for his people both during the Old Testament, and it was kind of a thread all throughout the Old Testament, and I still believe is something that he wants us to hear today. Um, And that's not only should we be open to being teachable, but we must be aware of who we are allowing to teach, lead, and influence us. There's a constant warning that's given over and over and over throughout Scripture of false teachers and false prophets. Now, I'm going to kind of use those terms today interchangeably. Um, to false prophets, teachers, mentors, leaders. Um, now, there are nuances in the definition of each of those words. I recognize that. However, what, I, what they have in common and what I want us to focus on is that all these groups um, are groups that are, are people that we look to for truth and influence, and they, we look to them to guide who we are and who to become and, and how they transform us, um, especially in matters of faith and our spirituality. So let's start with the Old Testament and see where the Lord warns us of this. In Jeremiah 13 and 14, we see that Judah has been led astray by false prophets. They're walking away from the Lord, and as a result, God is exercising great judgment over them And Jeremiah, bless his heart, is pleading to God on their behalf, essentially trying to tell God that the people have been misled as an excuse. He was asking God to show mercy and trying to excuse their behavior because they had been deceived by all these false prophets. This is what Jeremiah says in chapter 14. Alas, sovereign Lord, the prophets keep telling them, you Uh, You will not see the sword or suffer famine. Indeed, I will give you lasting peace in this place. But God did not accept this excuse of being misled. He says, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them to speak to them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and deceit of their own minds. And then he goes on um, and talks about all the destruction that's gonna come upon these false prophets, but that's not really what I want us to focus. Um, What I want us to focus on is what he says about the people who are being misled, and this is what we need to learn as a church. He said, they have loved to wonder thus, they have not restrained their feet, therefore the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. The phrase that I want us to notice is they love to wonder. So he's, he's not so much worried that there's, he is worried that there's false prophets among them, but he's more worried about the heart of his people who are prone and, and love to wander away from him, not grounded. Um, fast forward to the time of Christ, and the things have not really changed. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warns us, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but in they are ferocious wolves. Jesus also warns, false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then he said about this, see, I have told you ahead of time. So there's another warning that we get from Christ. And then in the, new, in the, the epistles and in the, new, the, the, the church, the early church, 
We see this a lot, all kinds of churches struggling with this idea of false teachers and false prophets leading these people astray. And Paul says in Acts 20, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and will not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away the disciples after them. So be on your guard, there's the warning. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning you, each, uh, each of you day and night with tears. Peter also has a warning. Um, and I, as I read this description of false prophets um, from Peter, kind of notice the commonalities between some of the influences that we see today, the modern influences, if you will, teachers. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their own depraved conduct and, you will, and will bring you away and bring the way of truth into desuetude. In their greed, their, these teachers will not exploit you with fabric, will exploit you with fabricated stories, but these people blaspheme and matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. So again, there's only, this is only a few examples in scripture where it warns us of these uh, false teachers and false prophets. Um, but I hope I can show you this is kind of a big deal in scripture, right? Um, and it's definitely something that we need to be aware of in our church today because there's so many people that are influencing us and it's so easy to be influenced um, in our, just our culture today because of technology, whether that be social media, whether that be podcasts, whether that be professors or pastors or you name the, you name the context, right? Um, so what does all this have to do with the humility theme? What God has taught me through reading this is that it's not just that we should be teachable, but that our pride or lack of humility actually allows us to accept the lies of false teachers and these prophets, these false prophets. The most important warning that I got was from 2 Timothy 4.3. Paul tells Timothy, time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine and said to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It is so easy for us for our, in our sin to surround ourselves with people who tell us exactly what we wanna hear, especially when it has to do with affirming the sin that we're living in. As I uh, studied kind of the context behind these false teachers and prophets um, in the early church especially, what I, what I learned is that there's three things that these false prophets and, and teachers are concerned about, and I think that's absolutely true and carries out today. Those three things are money, power, and sensuality. That's all that these people care about, and they wanna affirm you and themselves in a way to continue living in this sin and make it sound really, really good. And a lot of times they'll do it in Christ's name. Jesus even warns us that many will do signs and wonders in my name, and I will say to them, I never knew them. They have no desire to die to themselves. They have no desire to be renewed or to lead people in a way that challenges them to be more holy. They only care about gaining wealth becoming influential over you or a great body of people and doing whatever feels good to their body. 
Paul says they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they confidently affirm. But they do a lot in the name of Christ and attempt to clear their conscience, like I said. Um, and I think for it, it's important for this group here because we're kind of the core members of Kingdom Life with the students being gone. The, the students look up to us not only as teachers, some of us here are teachers, and we need to be even more aware of these warnings of the false teacher. And remember in James, it says that teachers will be uh, judged even more harshly because we do have such great influence over people. But also, young people, even if you aren't a teacher, they're looking to you, they're looking to us and who we're being led by, and who we're being disciplined by, and who we're deciding, you know what, you're not gonna have a say in my life because you're leading people astray. They look to us for that. That's why I think this is important for us today. Um, so if God so adamantly warned us of these false teachers and prophets, pro, sorry, false prophets and teachers, um, and that we have a responsibility in who we listen to, then how do we humble ourselves when it comes to learning and growing and receiving truth? Fortunately, we do have the Holy Spirit and the gift of discernment. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 regarding false teachers and prophets, by their fruit you will recognize them. We need to be looking at the fruit of those who are allowing to lead us. Now what type of thing should we be looking for? Looking for? Um, and scripture gives us lists upon lists upon lists of uh, whether it be the fruit of the spirit or all the fruit of these good things. Um, and I kind of boiled it down to a few different things. So, so hear me out on that, on this. Um, the first thing that we need to be aware of is those who teach and influence is how devoted are they to scripture? Is everything in their life rooted and grounded in the word of God? When they give instruction and counsel and advice, is it truth coming from the word of God or is it coming from the lens of the world? We know, I know, and maybe some of you know too, there's a famous pastor and I won't you know, put his name out there, but he's recently come out and said, I'm gonna stop using uh, thus say the Bible or this, this was read in scripture because he was, he's, I think ashamed of scripture and a little embarrassed by some of the truth that it has. And that should be a huge major red flag if you see teachers that you're allowing yourself to uh, be influenced by. Maybe not so blatantly coming out and disregarding scripture, but making excuses for scripture. That should be a huge red flag. Um, someone that I think that actually embodies this really, really well, and I didn't ask him permission, but is Daniel. So as I got to know, as I, as I get to know Daniel, we become better friends with him, he's always got his iPad with scripture pulled out, and when he's worshiping, he's reading scripture, and when I have conversation with him, he's referring to scripture. You know what I'm talking about if you know Daniel. And oh my goodness, I can trust Daniel. I can trust the advice that he gives, and sometimes advice is just quoting scripture, and what, how beautiful. Why, why do we need something else other than scripture? And a lot of things, and I think that, if more people were to be like that, I wish I could be that rooted in scripture. Um, but as we think about our leaders and the people that have influence us, us, over us, um, kind of have that idea in our mind, of are they rooted in scripture? And does everything that they say come from scripture? How do they respond to their own sin? Um, I was once told something along the lines of, um, you can't judge someone's holiness by how much they don't sin, 
but how they respond when they do sin. And the reality is is there's not gonna be any perfect person out there. There's not gonna be any perfect leader and they're going to fall short. And then the evidence of their relationship with God is how they respond when they do fall short. So do they live in this sense of uh, constant uh, repentance, if you will? You know, Hendrik preached last week that um, we're just, we're so unworthy, we're so unworthy, yet, Christ loved us anyways, and if we come from that humble perspective of just like, not pride, but humility, recognizing that we have sinned, um, are our leaders doing that? Are they being an example of one that are humbly before Christ constantly, recognizing that, that you know, we don't deserve Christ, I don't deserve Christ, but he loves me anyways. And so when they do sin, are they making excuses of their sin? or are they truly repenting? And are they repenting in their private life, or are they just repenting up on the stage to make themselves look good as well? These are the fruit, some of the fruits that um, God has for us. And then finally, are they more concerned about your, God, your godliness or by their approval? Uh, there, this is really where our humility has to come in because a good teacher, good counsel, is gonna correct us. And they correct us because they care about our godliness. They care about where we are spiritually. They care about our relationship with the Lord. And so they might come in and correct us. And that's really where we have to humble ourselves and not say, you know what, you've offended me because you've called out my sin. I've got 30 people over here that I can surround myself that can affirm my sin. Um, This happened actually in scripture uh, with Paul and some of the early church leaders. They were getting, I guess, um, not blasphemed, but uh, they were getting this hard time. They were having a hard time because people were saying that they were being too harsh and that they were being hateful and too judgmental. And Paul says this in Thessalonians. He says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed, God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though the apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just like a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, how holy, righteous, blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into the kingdom of glory. So you kind of see how people were being offended by Paul and the apostles as they were leading these churches to holiness and he was just saying, no, all I'm concerned about, first of all, I'm being judged by God, not by people, and all we're concerned about is bringing you along with us. We want you to be godly, so we're gonna call out some of your sins. A lot of the epistles are Paul calling out sins of the church, you know, Corinthians is a great example. Um, So are those people that are leading us wanting to do that. And I'll give you a, a real quick police story. So one of the things that I do on the department is I train our rookies. And 
we were, I was training one of our, our recent rookies and we're on a traffic stop and he has a little bit of a pride problem. He just, he's, he thinks that he's all that, that he doesn't need the training. And I was kind of holding him back from doing traffic stops and things like that. Traffic stops are very dynamic. Um, a lot of things going on in the police world. So uh, he goes, ah, I'm gonna stop this car. I'm like, all right, you do it. And it went terrible. So I sat back with my body cam on and I just watched him as he floundered and he let the guy get out of his car, go into the store during the traffic stop and just, just butchered it. He even looked at me a little bit during it and he was like, when we had made eye contact and he's like, this isn't going well. I'm like, yeah, I know it's not going well, but finish it. You want to do it, you finish it. So then I took him back to the department and I made him download his body camera and my body camera and I made him watch the whole thing. And he knew it was bad and he was really humbled and he got to see all the mistakes that he made. And I said, how does this make you feel that you're watching this? Watching this? And it, if you don't like, like hearing yourself talk after you preach or something like that, uh, this is even worse because you're watching yourself do this whole thing and it was just really bad. And he was like, I feel like I'm a, <laughs> he was like, I feel like I'm a dog that just took a number two on the floor, and then not only did you scold me for it, but you took my nose and you rubbed it in. <laughs> but the reality is, is I really just cared about his safety and the safety of everyone else out there, and this was a really good way to get him to, to learn his mistakes and things like that. And we should be open to that as well. That's where humility comes in when it, when it comes to teachability. First, we need to recognize that there's so many uh, false teachers and prophets, and they're willing to tell us what we want to hear, and it's so easy to go there. It's so easy to watch the people on the social media and scroll and scroll and scroll. Yes, this is exactly what I want to hear. This is exactly what I need. It, it's affirmed who I am and affirmed the sin that I'm living in, and it's just so easy to do that. But A, we have to recognize that those exist, but then B, we've got to be willing and humble enough for that correction and that teachability and recognize a good teacher that's rooted in scripture, um, that's humble themselves, and then that just wants the best for us and wants us to be holy. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up, which I know we're kind of early, okay? I'm gonna pray and then I'll let you <laughs> conclude, and if you have anything for us, um, that's fine. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that you uh, humble our pride as we've been praying for all month. We thank you for providing us with teachers that are willing to lead us to holiness. And I ask that you just shine a light on them so that we as a body and as followers can recognize those good leaders and that we can follow them. And we just ask that you bless them with patience as they lead us. That's our church leaders here, but also just the capital C church leaders as well, Lord. We need good leaders. For the leaders in this room, Lord, we ask that you just bless them, humble them, um, empower them with your spirit, Lord. Uh, it just set them on fire for your word so they can be rooted in truth. Lord, we thank you for your son, who's the ultimate leader, who we can look to as the perfect example of who we need to be. I pray these sons in your name. Amen.